late night pod. Who doesn't love a late night podcast? I know we love them here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It is April 10th. Started writing stuff at 11.30 p.m. Eh, guess it's not August 10th anymore. It's August 11th at 1.15 a.m. We got to get this out. We got so much to talk about. So much awesomeness. Great guests. And we're making sure we stay up. Don't fall asleep editing. Nothing like that with the little flavored water packets. Got a little extra B12 in them. Not really the sugar stuff. Can't do the sugar. Well, don't want to do the sugar. Guess I could do it. Don't want to. Put that in the water. We're good to go to do an episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This episode 195 is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. Our special guest on this very episode is Harry Wilmot. He's a rapper, goes by the name Harry. He's had other names, but he's like, you know what? My name is the best name for me, so that's what I'm going to go with. So his rapper name is Harry. He graduated from LaSalle, Peru High School, and he's now trying to, you know, make radio waves with his lyrics, and he's very dedicated, loves music, listens to a lot of different things. We talk about it all in our conversation. Also on this show, in the intro, we're going to speak about the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship, which was this past weekend. Going to catch up on Big Brother and mine and Kevin Klum's draft how we're scoring so far. Olympic summary, it ended August 8th, stopped on Sunday, today being Tuesday, a.k.a. Wednesday. few days behind, but so many things were awesome. We've been talking about the Olympics for probably the last four or five podcasts as it went on starting July 23rd. Going to talk about a couple big signings, NFL and NBA And we have our favorite, favorite segment at Edge of Your Seat Podcast with Bring It Back. We are breaking down Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums of all time list. So we're bringing back albums maybe you've never heard before, maybe I've never heard before, never discussed. We're throwing up polls, putting up four albums at a time. You vote, we listen, we'll all discuss. This Bring It Back is about the Beach Boys their 1965 album, The Beach Boys Today. Don't know where you're listening to this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, but you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and our website, rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. P, if you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a guest, you want to advertise with us, you want to question something I said or a guest said, feel free to email us at edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Also have to give a huge shout out to the guy, the dude, Brian Cavelli, who created the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This show is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. 
a small dealership in a small town, the staff of general manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranik is from Mendota. He's the basketball player of the year in 2003 and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. The Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship was Saturday, August 7th and Sunday, August 8th, the 7th, they were at Edgewood Park Golf Club in McNabb. Sunday, they were at Mendota, the Mendota Golf Course. Always an epic, epic tournament. So many talented golfers in this area and even outside of this area that come and compete. Co-directors Mason Kimberly and Patrick Goy, both Friends of Edge of Your Seat podcast, have done a fantastic job of reinventing this tournament. It was a two-weekend tournament. You would come play on a Saturday or a Sunday, one weekend, and then come back another weekend. But they weren't able to get as many golfers as they wanted, as many participants, because it's really hard to commit two weekends in the middle of summer with jobs, families, kids, things that we all have going on. So the last couple years, it's been just a Saturday and Sunday and one weekend. That has helped them. The marketing, the recruiting more golfers into the tournament has been better, different. And now they have a mass field where they're getting 140, 150 golfers every year. That's insane and very, very awesome. Always an awesome event to go to and cover. I had family things this weekend, so I couldn't make Saturday or Sunday. But definitely watch some clips. My friends were there, sent me some Snapchats. That was awesome of them. And already spoke with Troy Bauer. We have a time to link up and we are going to chat for a podcast as Troy Bauer was the winner of the championship class. And he becomes the first son whose father also won. Tom Bauer, Troy Bauer, the first father-son duo to win the Illinois Valley Championship since its inception. 1949 was the first tournament thrown by the News Tribune. It became the Illinois Valley Men's Golf Championship in 2009. So since 1949, no father-son duo has been able to do this. And Tom won more than once. Six-time champ, 84, 88, 90, 94, 95, and 2012. That's a lot of wins across a lot of decades. 
Tom Bauer, excellent golfer, shared the love of the sport with his son, Troy. He wins the championship. He's going to be on to talk with us at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Taking second in the championship class was Bailey Lear, also a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. He had won three straight. The last three years was all Bailey Lear, and it looked like after day one, he was going to win a fourth. But Troy didn't stop. He came clawing away and got the win. Third was Ian Roach. Ian has been on here twice with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. He was actually one of our first guests. I think he was a second or third, something like that. Always a great kid to talk to. He's not even a kid anymore. He's a grown man. He's a great golfer representing Putnam County, taking the third place in the championship class. In A class, J.D. Jonas won a sudden death playoff to get the W. John Pothoff from St. Bede graduated a year or two ago. He took second. And Mendota's Cody Phelan was third. B class, Rusty Lindenmeyer won it all. I have spoke to him before for a couple stories with the local paper back in the day. Former football player for Amboy Lamoille. He was part of a story that I did about generations in football. His dad had played and his son at the time, Braden Lindenmeyer, was playing for Mendota. Second in B class was Mateo Sanchez, who was a fantastic baseball player for the St. B Bruins a year or two ago. And third was Tyler Nyman, who is also a friend of Edge of Your Sea podcast. He was on our episode, our tribute to Ricardo Sarabia. In the C-Class, Matt Holtz, alum of Hall, he was on Edge of Your Seat Podcast in their great football season a couple years ago when they played Princeton in the playoffs. Twos, Dylan Packenham, and third was Chance Bloomhurst. He is a member of another local podcast, Typical Chicago Fans. In the senior class, the winner was Willie Hansen, second was Gary Zeman, And third was Terry Beard. Never met Terry Beard, but I work with his wife, Tammy, and we have actually played golf together. She's good. I know he's good. Makes sense that he was where he was at in this senior championship. Like I said, we will have Troy on real soon. We're going to talk it up all about this tournament, his golf life, his golf career, and being the first father-son duo to do it. That sounds crazy. Because of the love for golf in this area, you would think it would have happened sooner. Still blowing my mind. It's not easy to shop nowadays. Store shopping is non-existent, or it's a chore to get to a store. Online shopping is where it's at. But what sites do you go to? Which sites are spam? Are you really going to get an item, or did you just donate money? Which sites have the best deals? Sister slinging codes and saving you loads makes the headache of shopping much easier and cheaper. The sisters, owners Tanya and Cassie Milas, find limited time deals or coupon codes and share them on their Facebook page. Sister slinging codes and saving you loads. If there is something you're searching for, send them a message and they'll find it for you. They've already partnered with Amazon and plan to add many more partnerships for the best deals on all items. Through Amazon, Amazon Prime will be needed to purchase an item. But if you don't have it, no worries. 
the sisters will send you a link for a free 30-day trial period so you can get the items you can't live without. We all like cheap and easy to find. What about free? Sister slinging codes and saving you loads has giveaways. They've already held two drawings and are now working on their 100 follower giveaway. The winner of the drawing after 100 Facebook followers has been reached will receive a bundle of items seen on their page. Invite a friend and tag the invited friend on the post. Share post. The sisters are always tracking all shares. Order through a link and comment, got it, on the post. And you will be entered. Follow the Sister Slinging Codes and Saving You Loads Facebook page to save you money and easily find all items you're looking for or even the items that catch the eye. Any additional questions? Send the sisters a message on Facebook or email at tccsbusiness19 at gmail.com. The Olympics! We're here. They're over. Man, that was fast. But so many great memories all across the board. We have been talking about it for weeks now. Many podcasts. It's been a lot of fun cheering on the United States of America. They barely, barely, barely edged out China for the most gold medals. 39 for United States. China was second with 38. Japan was third with 27 golds. The UK, Great Britain, was fourth with 22. And Russia sat fifth with 20. In terms of total medals, United States kind of ran away with it. 113 medals, gold, silver, bronze. China was second with 88. Russia was third with 71. The UK was fourth with 65. And Japan was fifth with 58. Highlights of the last day, day 16. The Olympics went on 16 days in Tokyo. Technically, the Tokyo 2020 games, but because of COVID-19, became the 2021 games in five years instead of four. Because we all know it's usually every four years. We had to switch it up. COVID-19 made everything switch it up. The USA women's basketball team, seven straight gold medals. Woof. On Sunday, they beat Japan 90 to 75, their 55th consecutive win in the Olympics. 55 straight wins. They're 55 and 0 in the last 55 games. Just elaborating that so you understand the crazy supremacy that the women's USA team has in basketball. That is amazing. And a lot of it is because of these two players Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi. Five gold medals. They have been in the last five Olympics. That's 20 years. They're the first international basketball players to have that five golds. And they did it together. That is pretty insane. And awesome. Glad that I've been able to watch them play basketball for so long. Two very, very, very gifted human beings when it comes to the hardwood. In the gold game against Japan, Brittany Griner. Showing what she could do. 30 points, 14 of 18 shooting. Her 30 points marks the best Olympic gold game performance in terms of scoring as she topped Lisa Leslie's 29 points in a gold medal game. She's a beast too. She's going to go down Hall of Fame. 
just nasty. Tall, lanky, defends, shoots well. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Also, on the very last day of the Olympics, the United States had two boxers in the gold medal rounds. Unfortunately, both fell. Super heavyweight Richard Torres Jr. fell to Bekador Jelovov from Uzbekistan. Tough name to say. I was trying to say it with the announcers. Jelilov. It's a cool name. So is Uzbekistan. Never been there. Probably never will. But it's a cool country to say. But Richard Torres Jr., who was the first boxer to fight in the last round, which is a super heavyweight gold medal fight since 2004, Andre Ward. So even though he didn't win, he did something nobody's done in quite a while. Men's lightweight Keyshawn Davis fell to Cuba's Andy Cruz. Didn't win the gold medal, but didn't walk away empty-handed Silver medal around their necks, hanging on the mantle, in their bags, wherever they need to put it. They got a silver medal. Congratulations to the boxers doing their thing. Huge congratulations. Huge shout out to the volleyball team. United States wins their first ever gold medal as they defeated Brazil in dominant fashion. Three sets. Didn't even give them one win. Wouldn't even give them a set. 25-21, 25-20, 25-14. That's awesome. Can't believe it's the first ever because the United States has got some really, really talented, gifted volleyball players. Just haven't been able to crack through. This year, they did. We as humans or aliens, well, at least some of you are aliens, like to be clean at all times. We have to stay fresh. Smelling good, looking good, teeth shiny, hair did, all the works. Well, your car is the same way. It can't be filthy, fungus growing in the back seat, six layers of dust on the dash, coffee stains on the floorboard. No way! Mike's Pro Shop and Sales, located at 204 South Spalding Street in Spring Valley, will give your car the scrub-a-rub-dub it needs and deserves. Mike's disinfects to prevent sickness or the start of another pandemic. It cleans gets those tough places to reach where all the dirt and the grime sits. Rustproof so your vehicle stays hole-free and has no structural issues. Cares for fabric. Extremely important if you have kids spilling everything they touch. Mike's makes that splat of the long drop from the kid past the car seat to the fabric disappear. Mike's is also a full body shop and can tend to most automobile needs. And now, Mike's is offering pickup and delivery services. Contact Mike's Pro Shop and Sales to schedule a pedicure, manicure, and a freshening up of your vehicle at 815-663-2060 or via email at mikesproshop204 at gmail.com. Couple huge signings to talk about. First, NBA, Kevin Durant with the Brooklyn Nets, four years, $198 $198 million. I know, I know. Athletes get paid way too much money. Doctors, that well, they get paid too much money too. Teachers, they do not get paid enough money. And, you know, normal blue-collar workers should all get paid more money. I agree. I'm one of them. I totally support this. But if an athlete is supposed to get paid a lot of money, 
Kevin Durant is one of them. And you may not like him. He's jumped teams, chasing rings, all that, yada, yada, yada. He did. So what? He got what he wanted. And the teams wanted him on the team to play. The superstars, a.k.a. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, James Harden. They all wanted to play with them. They all wanted the same goal. The owners, they all want to pay these guys. They got the same goal. So in his mind, that's what he did. Whether you like it or not, it made sense, and he did it. He is arguably the best player in the league right now. It's a two-player race in my mind. Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two different styles, two different games. I personally would go Kevin Durant. That's up to you. You make your pick. But if an athlete is supposed to get paid, buku bucks, Kevin Durant is that guy. He showed off in the Olympics. If his big toe was a half a centimeter behind the three-point line when he shot that long two to send Game 7 of Eastern Conference semifinal against the Bucks into overtime, it would have went done, done, over. Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, not the Bucks, who won it all. Kevin Durant, fantastic shot. Big toe was on the three-point line. And then maybe Giannis doesn't even go on the radar like he is right now. He is right now because he showed up in the finals and was miraculous. He was a monster. Nobody could stop him. Nobody. He was determined and he's very, very talented and a crazy athlete. Agreed. But if Kevin Durant hits a three instead of a two, it's over right there and Durant is the dude doing that. Who has already done it before. And they pushed the Bucks to the limit with a half James Harden since he was injured and no Kyrie Irving. So he didn't have that superstar team around him when he did this. Kevin Durant was showing out. He is, in my mind, the best player in the league. And he deserves the money. NFL-wise, Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Six years, $280 million. Just give me a fraction of that, Josh. Please, just a little fraction. And $150 million of it is guaranteed. The most guaranteed money ever in an NFL contract. Again, maybe athletes shouldn't get as much as they do, but it's a business and the owners pay them that. Josh Allen is young, very talented, and has made the Buffalo Bills a perennial favorite in the AFC last year and now this year. Maybe not at the beginning of last year, but as the season was going on, we're like, oh, wow, watch this guy. That defense is playing well. He's playing well. Stephen Diggs is a crazy awesome wide receiver, probably top three. And Josh Allen made it all happen offensively for everybody. Maybe he shouldn't get paid that much money, but if the owner wants to pay it, he deserves it. He did his thing. Switching off the sports talk for just a second. Have to do a Big Brother update. Kevin Klum, the sports editor at the News Tribune. Good friend of mine. longtime co-workers. Great dude. Every year that Big Brother is aired, we do a draft. We pick our players or the contestants and see who wins. There's 16 players in the house. So if you draft the first person out, you'll get one point. If you draft the winner, you get 16 points. Add them all up together through your eight-man team, eight-woman team, 
eight-man woman team. It's co-op, co-ed. Then you're the winner. The other person owes you a lunch or dinner. That's how we play. So far, four eliminations, and we are tied. Travis, my guy, was out first. That's one point. Second and third were both Kevin's picks and Frenchie and Brent. So that's five points for him. And then Whitney was out fourth. That gives me four points. So one plus four is five. If I do my math correctly, and three plus two for Kevin, that equals five. We are tied. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm going to have the next one out. On the block is Brittany, who I have, Sarah Beth, who Kevin has, but the head of household, who is Derek X, also my guy, my first round pick, hopefully he wins it all, wants to backdoor Christian and get him out. Unfortunately, Christian is one of my people too. I might be falling behind again. It's all right. We'll catch up. We'll catch up. But the show has been kind of okay. Kind of annoying because they've set up this monster alliance and kind of set up the beginning of race wars. CBS announced that it's going to be half black and half white caster, half white and half of color. I fully support that. No doubt. Feel we're all equal. Everybody deserves an equal chance. All the above. But what we're seeing already in this first edition of this is an underground alliance called the Cookout, which is all African-American because they want the first African-American to win Big Brother. And I kind of do too. Be some cool, be some different. I agree. But you already see a writing on the wall where it's become a black versus white thing. Our society doesn't need that. It's already everywhere already. Why can't we intertwine and work together instead of working apart because of skin color? I thought that's what our mission was. But it seems like we keep doing things to push us apart and segregate ourselves more. And this is kind of showing that. It is becoming a race war. It does make sense that this is going to happen the first time because like I said, there hasn't been an African-American winner. So I get it. But it also kind of makes for not bad TV, but just TV some of us don't want to watch right now. Our society kind of makes a lot of people sick because of all the black, white things going on. For the racial injustices, I will stand right next to an African-American and fight with them. No doubt. Cop killing an African-American who really wasn't doing anything. He was unarmed, had his knee on his neck, killed him. Shootings for no reason. It's not right. I will never stand up for that. Never. Whether the cop was white, a brother, a cousin, whatever. No, never, ever. We should all be doing things together intertwining as a nation, as a people. Not playing games against each other, not fighting wars against each other as black and as white. I don't think so. Hopefully you agree. If you don't, let me know. I mean, we can have some discussions. This is a very serious thing and a very serious time. And even though Big Brother is just a show, it's just a TV reality contest, there's society implications in there some very big implications and hopefully this is just the only season like that and we can just work together just work together be a people a society because man we're super fragile right now if any other country had 
the gumption to come into America and try to get at us. We are more separated than we've been in a long time, I feel. I see it everywhere. We are very, very separated. Whether it's race, whether it's governmental issues, very, very separated. Hopefully we can all come together, smile, love each other. Man, I just made that sound like flowers, rainbows, unicorns, and Laffy Taffies. Don't really like cotton candy, so we're going to say Laffy Taffies. But I'll never quit watching Big Brother. One of my favorite shows, pretty much the only reality show I watch. Used to watch, you know, Road Rules, Real World, all that stuff. Then the challenges, but it kind of got old, played out. Hopefully Big Brother doesn't, but it's starting to every year kind of get a little tiring. But we'll see. Let's do one more advertisement for one of our fantastic, fantastic local sponsors. And then we're getting to bring it back. The Beach Boys, Beach Boys today. This is the best time of the year. It's warm, pool's open, baseball's being played, the grill's fired up, and all renovations can be made to your home. We all have improvements we want to make on our home whether it's inside, on any floor, in any room, stairs, tiling, bathroom, bedroom, front room, the kitchen, outside at the standing level, siding and windows, or a new roof, a garage, a shed. You name it, Olson Construction has the ability to make everything in your house suit you and your family. Olson Construction is a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Not only do brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the skills to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate, but they also have the experience of more than 10 years to take care of your home renovations from blueprint to completion with your thoughts, opinions, and wishes taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, Call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. It is time. We have to bring it back. Breaking down the Rolling Stone magazine, top 500 albums of all time list. We are at 466 with the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys today from 1965. The Beach Boys beat one competitor, one band that I thought was the odds-on favorite, The Rolling Stones, were at 468 with Some Girls, their album from 1978. Maxwell was 467 with Black Summer's Night, 2009. And 465 was King Sonny Aid with the best classic years, Came out in 2003, but it was a best of album, and he has been around the blues world, the guitar world, since the 50s. Beach Boys win it all. They won the polls voted on by you. Thank you, as always, for taking place. We'd like to hear what you would listen to, what you want us to listen to, and what you want to hear about on this podcast. Much appreciated. Thank you for all the love. If you do not know who the Beach Boys are, you really don't know music or have not listened to music. They have been around forever. They ruled the 1960s and 70s, and they are still together now. 29 
studio albums later. 29 albums. If you have not heard the Beach Boys, I recommend you listen to this album. It is good. It's good. My opinion about the Beach Boys is kind of like my opinion about Future, the rapper. All the songs sound the same. Lyrics may change a little bit, but for the most part, it's the same sound. You get tired of listening to it after a while. I listened to this album about four times, and it was pretty much just to catch the lyrics because the music, like I already knew what I was going to hear. There's a little more ballad, slow stuff than their other albums, so I read. But when I think of Beach Boys, it was this album, and the last album, and the album, and uh, all 29 albums. Not a huge fan of the Beach Boys, but I don't hate on them either. I respect what they did. 29 albums? Around from 1961 is when they formed. That is a very, very long time, and they still have the band now. They haven't put out an album since 2012, but they're still considered together, have a band, and that's a long time. You don't do that if you're not epic, if you're not influential, if you didn't change the game, and they did all of the above. The members of the Beach Boys now, currently, August, I guess 11th, of 2021, Brian Wilson, Mike Love, Al Jardine, and Bruce Johnston. They're all singers. They're all songwriters. All have vocals. Every album they're on. El Jardine plays the bass, guitars, banjo. Bruce Johnston, keyboards, bass. Brian Wilson does everything for the Beach Boys. Every, everything. Bass, producer, vocals, keyboards, singer, writer, everything. Mike Love, vocals, songwriter, kind of like the second right-hand man of Brian Wilson. 1965, when this album, The Beach Boys Today, was created, it was Brian Wilson, Mike Love, El Jardine, Dennis Wilson, Carl Wilson. Three brothers, Brian's the oldest, Dennis the middle, Carl the youngest. Brian Wilson is still alive. He's 79 years old. Mike Love is still alive. He is 80. El Jardine, also a member of the 1965 Beach Boys, is 78. Dennis Wilson drowned December 28, 1983 at the age of 39. He was the drummer and the only drummer the Beach Boys have had. You could definitely hear it in this album. He is all over on the drums. He is fantastic. Carl Wilson died at the age of 51 in 1998. He played the guitar. He was a lead producer for a while. He arranged a lot of things. He took over for Brian Wilson when Brian Wilson had some things go on in his life. We'll catch up to that later. Mentioned all the rest of their ages. Bruce Johnston with the band now is 79. In 1961, when they began, when they were put together, they were in Hawthorne, California. They were distinguished, known for their vocal harmonization, which every single song that I've ever heard from them, it's like Bone Thugs and Harmony of rap or Boys to Men of R&B or NSYNC Backstreet Boys of the mid-1990s, late 1990s, harmonizing to its best. Most of the time, they're known for their adolescent, love life, K-1, 
California sound of surfing and riding the waves. That's who the Beach Boys are, what they were known as. Their first hit ever, 1963, probably heard this song called Surfing USA. Yeah, that's the California sound. And you know they're an epic band when they actually survived the British invasion, the Beatles, in the mid-1960s. The Beach Boys were there, and they still rock and rolled and did their things through the charts the entire time. The Beach Boys have sold 100 million records worldwide. Yikes. They legitimized popular music, a.k.a. pop music, as an art form. Really wasn't a thing until the Beach Boys came along and mixed that rock and roll with an R&B sound and made it popular where you could jam your head and the lyrics were comforting. That was pop music. That is pop music now. Pretty much started by the Beach Boys. They influenced genres. They began the separation of like just rock and made them subgenres. Power pop, progressive rock, alternative rock made those genres appear. From 1960s when they were put together until the 2010s, 36 songs were on the U.S. Top 40 list. The most by a U.S. band ever. Four of those songs were on the top of the Billboard Hot 100. That includes Surfing USA, no doubt. In 2004, the Rolling Stone magazine ranked the Beach Boys number 12 on their greatest artist of all time list. 1988, the Beach Boys' original members, Al Jardine, Carl Wilson, Brian Wilson, and Mike Love were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If Dennis was still alive, I'm sure he would have been part of that as well. Major news story from this band throughout the whole entirety of it. Brian Wilson had a lot of issues since he did everything. He was Mr. Everything for the Beach Boys. A lot of stress. He ended up having a panic attack in an airplane in 1964, writing too much. Stress of being on the road, producing, dealing with media, putting everything together, arranging songs, putting all these albums together. Got way overwhelming for him. Panic attack on an airplane. This led to him stopping touring. After January 1965, when he announced it, no tours. He was behind the scenes, creating music. That's what led to the Beach Boys Today, this album, being kind of more developed, moving away from the surf attitude a little bit, and their California sound of the adolescence, the surfing, the ocean, try to move away to more meaningful, elaborate songs that meant something to people. And although they did, the lyrics are probably a little more elaborate. I have not went back and listened to the Beach Boys albums before this, But you can tell in this, there's more intense meetings, more storytelling, more elaborate ideas than surfing in California. Even though the music still has the same sound. That's what I'm talking about, the future comparison. The music to me sounds all the same. Lyrics might be different, bigger, better, more dynamic, controversial, you know, all that good stuff. But in terms of sound and what I hear, it's the same thing as everything I've ever heard from the Beach Boys. 
The Beach Boys, The Beach Boys Today was their eighth studio album. So this is eight out of 29. It was 12 songs long, 28 minutes, 55 seconds. It was released March 8th, 1965. Not only did their lyrics become more intimate, more profound, more adultish instead of adolescent. It helped them become, you know, just singles. You know, put an album together and there's one or two songs that overshadows everything else. This album made the band an album band where the albums had themes and put songs together to make it a full album where everybody wanted to listen to the whole thing. Brian Wilson, like I said, did everything for the Beach Boys, including on this album. He produced, arranged, wrote most of the lyrics. Mike Love also did the additional lyrics, had a couple songs that were pretty much all him. Influences for the Beach Boys, especially on this album, were Phil Spector and Burt Bacharach. Both huge names in music in the early days, 50s, 60s, 70s. This album, The Beach Boys Today, ranked number four on the U.S. charts for 50 weeks. If you didn't know, 52 weeks is a year. 50 weeks, they were on the top of the charts. Also says how dynamic they were as a band. Three songs on this album were top 20 singles. When I Grew Up To Be A Man, Dance, 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 and Do You Wanna Dance. All reached the same accomplishment of being a top 20 song. Help Me Rhonda was re-recorded and that was their second number one hit to reach the top of the charts following Surfing in the USA. Help Me Rhonda was pretty much the only song that I could tell that I'd heard before that I knew like, hey, that's a Beach Boy song that I've heard many times. At least on this album, that was the only one that I could decipher as being different than the rest of them. And I may have heard all the rest possible my grandparents listened to them. My mom has listened to them. Other people have listened to the Beach Boys that I've been around. But Help Me Rhonda was the only song that I definitely knew. Like, oh yeah, I remember this. So let's break down all the tracks. We'll rank them. And then we'll get to Harry Wilmot, who is an artist himself. The first track on the Beach Boys, the Beach Boys today, was Do You Want to Dance? It's a cover song of Bobby Freeman's 1958 song, Do You Want to Dance?, which was a top 10 hit. The key changes from Bobby Freeman to the Beach Boys was there was orchestra and three-part vocals. So they just kind of made it a more detailed, elaborate song. It's fast-paced. The harmonizing sure keys in here. It actually does on every single song. So I'm going to quit using the word harmonizing because we all know that's what the Beach Boys do. And it's... About that, just wanting to dance with a loved one, a lover, somebody you want to be with. Oh, baby, do you want to dance? Straightforward question. Number two, good to my baby. Got that R&B 1990s or R&B like Temptations in the 70s. That ooh-wee-ah, that kind of sound. I wish I could sing because I really like that sound and I can't sing at all because that wasn't very attractive voice right there not at all lyrics wise it's about the criticism of how you treat your lady are you treating her wrong are you mean are you rude you're trying to say hey this is a strong relationship i'm good to her 
But are you really? Number three, don't hurt my little sister. Kind of weird. It's romantic feelings for your sister. Yeah. Even the lyrics in it are like, she runs to her bedroom. She doesn't talk to you because she's kind of creeped out. From doing some research, it stems from Brian Wilson's relationship with his girl at the time, Marilyn, and her sister. She had two sisters. They didn't like how he treated her and thought that he was weird to them. He originally wrote the song for the Ronettes. If this song came out in 2021 with the same kind of meaning, I don't think people are putting over the Beach Boys like they did in 1965. That's all I'm saying. Number four, when I grow up to be a man, it's about puberty, changing in life, growing up, being a teenager, the changes of life, the anxiousness, the worries, the nervousness. Are you going to be cool or you're not? Are you going to have friends? Are you going to be alone? All that good stuff that we all know and didn't like. That's what this song is about. But even though it's got lyrics like that, that has a meaning, the same California style that I feel like I'm on a beach and I feel like it's 1965. Number five, Help Me Rhonda. Like I said, the only song that I knew I knew could decipher from the rest sticks out. The help, help, help me Rhonda. Like I knew that. Like I knew I'd heard that before. The song is actually a good one too. Probably means a lot to a lot of people. It's about trying to find a rebound girl after the ex left him for another dude. He's like, hey, help me, Rhonda. Help me get over this. One of the key lines in one of the key lines in the song is help me get her out of my heart by you having a one night stand. Unfortunately, it's pretty common in 2021. Maybe not in 1965, but just saying, hey, help me get over. Please be a rebound. The drums, tambourine, timpani, very predominant here, very upbeat. Number six, dance, dance, dance. We all want to escape stress, right? Why not dance? Get it out of your system. Also, very surferish. Feel like I'm on the ocean. It's 1960s. Carl Wilson had a solo on the guitar. Kills it. Probably my favorite rift of the whole album. Seven, Please Let Me Wonder is the first ballad. And according to what I read, it's Brian Wilson's first song, High, on Weed. Still different than Jefferson Airplane on Acid, which was the artist and album that we covered last time on Bring It Back with Jefferson Airplane's Serialistic Pillow. He's on Weed, they were on Acid. But it seems to be a theme with Brian Wilson moving forward that he was smoking a lot in change the sound of his music. The meaning behind the lyrics is about not wanting to hear a woman say she doesn't love him. Just don't tell me. I don't want to know. Let's fake it. We're not going to fake it. Then let's just go our ways without saying those words. Tons of instruments in this song. Drums, timpani, tambourine, bass, two guitars, acoustic, piano, tack piano, organ. Organ, very predominant in this. I heard it a lot. Sounded really cool. Horns, vibraphone don't know what a vibraphone is track eight i'm so young it's the lyrics that starts the song i have a girlfriend she says i'm her only one we want to get married but we're so young that's the theme of the whole entire song getting married very young age nine kiss me baby 
Don't want to fight no more. Tired of arguing. Let's just love. Let's have no worries. Give me a smooch. Couple lines that stuck out here. Can't remember what we fought about. That happens all the time. Late last night, we both said it was over. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. You still try to get through it, but that sits in the back of your mind. Third line that stuck out. Both had a broken heart. Once that heart breaks a little bit, it is ready to crack. You can do what you can to try to make it whole again, but it is really, really rough. So that song stuck out a little bit because I know those feelings. 10. She knows me too well. It's about second guessing how you're treating your girl. Are you mean? Are you rude? Are you emotionally beating her down? Towards the end of the song, you could tell that he knew he was doing that, but tries to make excuses or make it all right in his head because they love each other. All that stuff doesn't matter as long as there's love, according to the song. 11, in the back of my mind, is about life is great now. Fantastic relationship is awesome. We're having so much fun. I love you. I want to be with you forever. But in the back of your mind, you know it's going to end. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. In a week, a year, two years. And you're already setting yourself up for failure because you think it's going to happen. That it's already going to end. Kind of self-sacrificing the relationship. You think like that, it's going to happen. So in the back of your mind, you are ruining your relationship. 12. Bull Session with Big Daddy. This isn't even a song. It's an interview with a journalist named Earl Leaf about the European tour that they had done before the album. The original chat was 20 minutes. It's funny. You start to get to know the band members as people, which is cool. I kind of always like those little skits where they're just talking or you're seeing parts of their character, their funniness, their seriousness, what means stuff to them. So it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to listen to, especially... I have never heard a Beach Boys interview. Didn't know anything about their personal characters, really. So this was a cool insight to that. All right, it is time to rank these 12 songs. We're going to go 12 to 1. 12, I'm so young. I never understood it. I never understood why you wanted to get married while you're in high school or right after high school. You don't even know yourselves yet. As an individual, more or less as two people getting together. I'm so young, want to get married. Why? That's all I could ask. Why? 11. Don't hurt my little sister. Like I said, that's a little creepy, a little weird. If that song was done in 2021, it would not go over like it may have back then. 10. She knows me too well. Second guess in a relationship. Am I being mean? Am I being rude? Oh, let's make excuses. I think I'm okay. Eh. And it was kind of a ballad. I didn't really like the slowness of it. Nine, please let me wonder. If you're in a relationship with a girl that you don't think loves you, yeah, you shouldn't want to hear it. And B, you shouldn't be in that relationship. Lots of instruments, though. That sounded really cool. Loved the organ and the pianos. That's why I wasn't last. Eight, dance, dance, dance. It was cool. 1960s song. Felt like I was on a surfboard. Listen to the Beach Boys. Nah. Seven, in the back of my mind. I get it. I've done it. I understand it. But I don't want to listen to a song that's telling me these things. That, hey, you're in love right now, but tomorrow it could be over. I don't want to listen to that. 
I don't want to hear about you doing that or me beginning to think that I'm doing that because I'm listening to you. Six, good to my baby. Like I said, I liked that R&B feel, the, the harmonizing. Felt like I was listening to a 1960s version of Boys to Men. That was pretty cool. And I like how you're defending yourself. You think I'm saying things mean or doing bad things in a relationship, but I'm actually really good to her. I don't think I'm faking this. She's not faking or think I'm faking because she's still here. Maybe you're just not understanding what I'm saying or doing. Five, bull session with Big Daddy. This is just the interview and it was cool. I like to talk, obviously. I'm host of a podcast. I've been a journalist for 16 years. I like to talk to people, like to understand them, learn some of their character, their personality. And you got an insight of that with the Beach Boys with this interview. Four, when I grow up to be a man, I mean, we all go through it, right? <laughs> we all grow up. We all get older. We all know those angst, that nervousness. Was a beach song, in my mind, that California sound, but it made me think of a lot of those times when you're like young and thinking about becoming older and you don't want to. Yeah, I know all of it, at least for me. Like I know all my times. And it brought back a lot of memories listening to this song. Three, Do You Want to Dance? It was a feel-good song. Cool way to start the album. Upbeat. Oh, baby, do you want to dance? Two, Kiss Me Baby. Lots of things I can relate to. Don't want to fight no more. Don't arguing. Just give me a kiss. I want to love you. We both have a broken heart. We both said it's over. But I don't want to do that. I just want to kiss. I just want to be with you. Just want to make you happy. Want you to make me happy. Been there. Done that. Really understood the song. One. Help me Rhonda. Girlfriend just left. Boyfriend just left. With somebody else. Looking for a rebound. Trying to get that person out of your heart. Relates for a lot of people. Ring some bells. Bad memories. Good memories. All the above. And it's catchy. Help. 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 Help me Rhonda. God, I'm such a bad singer. Or maybe I'm good and just don't know it. Ha, just kidding, just kidding. But really catchy, has a good meaning. What do you do when your heart is broken? You're trying to forget somebody, bring somebody else in. That's kind of usually what happens. And the Beach Boys did it in a very, very catchy way. That is the intro. Long intro, awesome intro, a lot of things to talk about. And now we have... A lot of things to talk about with Harry Wilmot. Harry, the rapper. Let's get to it. We'll be back soon, very shortly. Thank you, all the love, much support for you listening to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Until next time, peace. There's one thing that I'm doing besides talking to people, and I talk to tons of people in my line of work, is listen to music. I mean, I've been listening to music since I came out of the womb. I listen to everything. We got a musician on the show today. Harry Wilmot from LaSalle, Peru. How's it going, my friend? Hey, man. It's been great. Summertime. Always a blessing. I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me, Brandon. For sure. Anytime. First of all, did I say your last name right? Yeah, you did. I, and I was going to ask you. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce your last name. I've never actually like heard it pronounced right from you. The cool way that I wish it would be pronounced is La Chance. But the real way, <laughs> the real way is La Chance. 
Okay. See, okay, what's Sean? Alright, I didn't want to say it wrong, so. And the way that you were going to say it, and everybody else says it, is LaChance. <laughs> yes. I already knew where you were going there. You did pronounce my last name right. Wilmot. Some people pronounce it with like an N and stuff, but no, it's Wilmot. Alright, perfect, perfect. We'll go, you know, rewind. Instead of like starting with high school and move forward, you are doing music now. Have you changed your... What's your music name? It's just Harry. Just Harry. Just Harry. Just Harry. <laughs> it's changed about three times. Three or four times, but now it's just Harry. I'm just going with my real name. You know, why not? Alright, well, is it Harry like H-A-R-R-Y or Harry isn't like hair? Harry as an H-A-R-R-Y. I mean, technically... <laughs> <laughs> Technically, my real name's Harrison. I always been my nickname. It's just everybody knows me as Harry. You know, it used to be H Dub, and a lot of people still call me that. But that was actually given to me by like a parent watching football. <laughs> gotcha. Harrison just sounds like white rapper. Sorry, but it does. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got that presidential ring to it, but not really like hip hoppy or like. 808s hitting in the background, you hear Harrison. I don't know. I never really go by that. But Harry, I mean, that could be, uh, I could like it. I could dig it. Thanks. Maybe I'll be bigger than Harry Styles. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah, I don't like getting called or like compared to other Harrys. So it's cool to like be able to have Harry and be the Harry that stands out to everybody else. Like when you hear that name, because I don't know too many Harrys. And like, I just feel like it's a unique name and I want to use my God-given name, basically. Definitely. No stage name. You're talking about being compared to other Harrys. I'm comparing you to, like, physical hair. <laughs> <laughs> just the True. spelling, just the spelling, that's it. The Harry situation. <laughs> right, right. That should be the uh, title of your first album. Technically, I haven't made an album, so it could be considered. <laughs> there you go, put it on the list. And then when you pick it, I want royalties. If I ever do get royalties at one point, that would be a special, just special, because I don't know how it was for you the first time you got paid for journalism, basically, what you want to actually do, but to me, I feel like, even if it's five bucks, just getting a check will seem cool. Yeah, no doubt, and the first thing that I ever got published, it was in a paper, I remember I got about 30 copies, I sent it to my mom, my grandma, my <laughs> best friends, their moms everybody like look at this look at this and then i sent a picture actually i didn't send anything this is not really the days before crazy technology and cell phone but it isn't like it was now so i think i took a photo on a camera like a digital camera and then you know sent it to them that way but yeah everybody that i loved and that was close to me at that time they got copies of the first story and were sent a photo of the first check yeah, i can imagine how amazing it's all Definitely. And you will feel it too if you just keep pushing. I mean, music's hard to get into, but if you got a love for it, what sounds like you do, you'll be all right. Facts. And that's why it's honorable for me to be on the show or podcast too, because you have to really push your name. Like, no one cares. Like, at the end of the day, it's not that you're just a musician, you're also a businessman. You're also, you know, your own biggest fan. You're really the whole entire business. It's not, it's a challenge, but it's, it's also fun. It's a way to, what well, I want to say, exuberate your creativity and just express yourself. No doubt. That's a great way to look at it because nobody's going to push you. Nobody's going to tell you to stop except you. That's it. Exactly. I've already quit like twice publicly. <laughs> but then you keep going. 
Exactly. There's just something. It's weird, man. It's, it's weird. For sure. So we've been saying musician. We've thrown around the word rap, hip hop a few times. Is that what you're doing? Honestly, I would say it's somewhat. I like rap the most, but I would also say it's like more electronic. I play instruments. I play piano, guitar. I used to play saxophone. That's really how I got into music. It was through guitar and saxophone. But I started rapping pretty much simultaneously with that. I thought rap and real instruments sound so good together. Like, for instance, you'll just hear someone rapping over a guitar. To me, that sounds so good. It's like the modern-day rock to me. So I like how it's, it can be blended with, rap can be blended with other genres. And just, I don't know, I'm still finding my own sound, but definitely it's always been uh, hip-hop in the picture for sure. Gotcha. So you're kind of making your own sound, kind of trying to find a hybrid, so to say. Exactly. Like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> It's not the meatball. <laughs> no. I don't like meatballs anyway, so they wouldn't be in my spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. It's uh, perfect. So what kind of got you into music? You can play instruments, you start rapping. When did this start formulating? I mean, you graduate LaSalle, Peru High School in 2017. Was this something you were thinking about or acting upon in high school, or did it start happening afterwards? Yeah, it actually happened during high school just life's challenges you know and going into junior year of high school uh, I went to Las Vegas with my family and they went out to eat and I wasn't feeling good just down on myself and I opened up GarageBand and recorded an MGK remix this is the first time I ever recorded a song was in a Las Vegas bathroom while my family went out to eat I listened to it a lot <laughs> throughout high school but I just always wrote my own poems and raps and it was going on probably since fifth grade like I have an iPod from probably about seven years old eight years old and like I, I still go back and read some raps some of them are diss raps some of them are just fun raps and or just poems it's, it was just a way to you know journal my life it was fun but now I took it more seriously after high school and just actually getting into the producing part of it and taking it serious Nice. Do you ever go back and look at those old notebooks and stuff that you have on the iPad and or the iPod and kind of learn from it? Kind of, hey, I've went this far, you know, nostalgic kind of. Do you ever do that and just go back and look at it? Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes it's not by, like, force. It'll just happen on coincidence, you know. Just, like, nowhere I'll stumble upon something that I wrote maybe when I was 13 years old, and it'll shock me or what I was thinking about or actually writing. And it's, it's not scary, but sometimes it's like you don't realize how far you came from that point and you don't realize how much you like that. Like maybe at the time you might have been insecure about your art, but after time evolved, it's like you were speaking with your heart. It was true yourself. It was beautiful. Was there anybody in your life, mom, dad, parents, mom and dad are parents, <laughs> siblings friends a teacher anybody that you know you kind of learned from took stuff from helped you decide that this music thing is something that you want to try out yeah without my mom i probably would have had the security uh she always encouraged me to be happy and do what i love do what's gonna make me happy and you know a lot of people might look at rap as a darker thing like oh 
it's it's the part of society that not everybody likes to talk about but the things that go on in life you know you need emotional support and I felt like you know my mom helped me a lot with that but my dad also at a very young age he also played guitar for me and he also got me into guitar and instruments and helping me out in band and he was there for me when I won Donorama in fifth grade for sax. He was in a band as well, so he definitely inspired me. My mom inspired me. Uh, my whole family really had a good music taste, and I was able to learn from all of them just growing up, just develop my own style of music, listening, whatever. Just I, I felt like they always had a good style, and my mom's uh, got that. Puerto Rican in her, so she's always, she used to play like some Daddy Yankee and reggaeton, so it's different. It's different types of music. So what nationality are you then? I'm 50%. Technically, it's like Crucian, St. Croix, but Puerto Rican, and then 50% between English, German, and like French. I don't even know. I don't even know the other half. <laughs> so that but, other half and what we call it is white. Yeah, yeah, just white and Latino, basically. <laughs> I guess I can say that just wrong because I am all white. It doesn't matter yeah. if I'm English, French, or whatever. I'm just white. I'm still got white in me. I feel like I'm a I'm a hybrid human being. Like I've got every national. I've never taken a nationality test, but I feel like I've got a lot in me. But I don't really care that much because I feel like we're all just human at the end of the day. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I look at it like that, too. That's why I joke around about it as well, because it really doesn't matter to me. <laughs> but yeah, I still, I'm still a white boy, too, so it's okay. You mentioned earlier, you know, getting in the production part of things. So are you producing your own beats now, too? Yes. Every single song I've made in the last two years, besides one, which was 61301, I released that two years ago. I produced. It's honestly insane how far I came with that. I didn't start that until about three, four years ago, like right after high school. Different softwares, going through different experiences and learning music theory, but not so much memorizing it and playing how I feel, developing as a creator in production. More than just someone who goes by book trying to capture my own imagination as best as I can through the frequencies of the notes. It's a challenge for sure. Uh, if you don't know, you know, theory that well with chords and rhythms and EPMs and how to manipulate, you know, the synchronicity of the rhythm, basically. It's like Michael Jackson's songs, you can hear, like, just the rhythm of the drums and the guitars and the trumpets. It makes you dance without even realizing you're moving your hips like it's just got that effect to it i feel like that's where great music starts it's just by that rhythm definitely and you know you're sitting here playing live instruments i'm sure you using programs what is kind of your style so far i know you said you're trying to find your sound but what you know kind of influences are you hearing or noticing now i'd say it's like i'm definitely a drill flower and what I mean by that is I like to really emphasize what I'm saying. So it's not so much mumble rap or it's not so much gangster rap. It's it's like almost like rock rap, but it's also drill because it's I like to emphasize super hard. But it's weird because a lot of the music I've dropped, 
percent who I am as an artist. It's like, like I said, I'm still finding my styles, but I don't put out a lot of my music, and a lot of the stuff I make is a lot different every time I make it, and it really goes by how I'm feeling in the moment. Like if I'm sad, it could be comparable to someone like you know XXX or Six or Black. You know the song East Atlanta Love Letter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You do? Yeah. That song's with Future. I like that guy. I listen to a ton of music, and sometimes if I have it on just like playlists, I really don't catch names. Some of the playlists, like on Spotify, that's usually what I listen to. I mean, I am from, I graduated high school in 04. My college years were 04 to 07, and then I dropped out for two years. I went back in 2010, and all those rappers are kind of now older. I mean, Lil Wayne's still hanging on. Drake came out in college years, but he's, you know, been around for a long time. So a lot of the names I don't really recognize, like, the way I recognize them. So I look at it differently because that's just how we work as people. I mean, in those formative music years. And then after that, it's just kind of like, okay, cool song. Don't remember the name and kind of don't care. I'm trying to care, trying to look at it more. But it's kind of what happens with age and time. Yeah, exactly. That's what's amazing because I can learn from people who are the biggest Lil Wayne fans in their time and just like learn from how the artist evolved. Like why his fans love him so much too. Uh, like I, I don't know if you know who Playboy Cardi is. Sure do. Okay, cool. Well, just I was going to use him as an example. Like I didn't really like him that much in the beginning and then I, I've seen how he's evolved so much. That's why I was going to say I don't really have a sound yet. Like I don't have a complete style because it's always changing. It's like always changing. So I don't want to stick to something and then sound completely different in the next song. But I also always have a style to go back to, which is, like I said, that rock, rap, drill type flow. But there's something cool about mixing, singing and rapping together. Like you hear guys like Pop Smoke, uh, Kanye, Travis Scott, uh, Jay-Z can sing. (laughs) Not many, but it sounds, I feel like that sounds so good when they sing and then it transitions into rapping or vice versa. Just keeping it talented, keeping it a wide variety of ways to make music, not limited. Tory Lane's another great example. XXX, Lutation. A lot of those guys inspire me. I like it when my guests answer my next question before I even ask. Because I was going to ask, you know, <laughs> some musical influences, people that you listen to. You just gave me a nice little list there. Yeah, I mean, everybody you said is well-known, got different styles. I mean, Lil Wayne even started singing at a time. Almost all of them, at least a couple songs, you know, sing and rap. Yeah. He's like one of the first people I ever noticed to do that. How to Love. I really like that song as a kid. Yeah, I believe it was because he was hanging out with T-Pain. He was singing with T-Pain. <laughs> they came out with that song. <laughs> I think it's uh, Got Money or something like that. <laughs> I never heard him sing to that song. It was funny. <laughs> it's like, oh, you need a steals or something. <laughs> yeah. He started chilling with T-Pain, and it was like, hey, yeah. we can put on some auto-tune, and then those two went crazy with auto-tune. Yeah. What's your opinion on auto-tune? I know you love hip-hop. I know you love rap, and you've seen it change over the years. What, what do you think about the auto-tune? I mean, when it first came out, it was cool because it was a different sound. 
yeah. and you know you, you're always trying to listen to something different and when somebody is creative enough and something like that happens you're like hey it's cool but then you know after a time if it's not if it doesn't adapt if it kind of stays stagnant in the sound and kind of how it works then it kind of gets old and it kind of got old for a while because for a summer or two that's all you heard. Everything was auto-tuned, especially from Wayne, T-Pain. There's a bunch of names that I could throw out there. But then it went away for a little bit, and then it came back slowly, and they had adapted. They had made changes to how it sounded, and then it was cool again. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I don't know how to describe how it sounds, but on T-Pain, it just, I felt like everybody sounded like T-Pain at one point. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> and that's when it started to get old, because... Everybody sounded the same. I don't want to start asking questions. Like, I know it's your podcast. Hey, you can say whatever you want. So, you want to ask some questions? Go ahead. Doesn't bother me, though. I like to hear opinions of people who love music, too, because those are people who uh, I feel like they influence the creation of it the most. The best artists in the world is the reason they're the best because people love it. Yeah, and I am one of those Lil Wayne fans. So, Lil Wayne is about two years older than me maybe two and a half, something like that. He's a Libra. I'm a Libra. I remember... T.I. is a Libra, too. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I was 13, and I had Source magazines, XXL magazines, coming to my house, picking them up at stores all day. And I would take the posters, photos. If they were small, I would cut them up and put them on like a collage board with other ones. Had them all over my bedroom wall. Like, that was my wallpaper, was just rap posters and i remember and i would read them too i'd read them and then i'd rip out the, the photos when i was done i remember reading the story little wayne just had a kid or his kid was little i believe it was the source and i'm like this dude is maybe he was 13 and i was 11 it was something like that but he was real young had a kid he's with cash money hadn't put out his first album yet but he been on a song with BG, was a member of the Hot Boys. And I heard that one song that he was on with BG, and I don't think he's ever put anything out that I have not heard since then. I can legitimately map my life out to Lil Wayne's music. <laughs> Lil Wayne, he's OG. He's one of the best rappers ever, in my opinion. He's probably one of the first rappers I ever started listening to as well. One of my friends is a huge Lil Wayne fan. And I like Kanye, and he got me into Lil Wayne and expanded my taste in music. And his older stuff was so hard. Like, and when it comes to figurative language, I don't think I've ever heard any rapper use it better than Lil Wayne. Oh, uh, no. No way. Not at all. Lil Wayne's a love me or hate me guy. You either love him or you legit hate him and think that he ruined hip hop because a lot of people, the auto tune, the mumble <laughs> rappers, Kind of? No, he, I love Lil Wayne. <laughs> you, you love it, you said? Yeah, so I, I love Lil Wayne because of it. Like, he's so good that he inspired a whole generation of rap. It's like the best do it. Yeah, he did. I mean, he is the one that started what we have now. Wasn't there someone else, too, who was around Lil Wayne's age that tries to take credit for that? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I mean, yeah. I would say Lil Wayne started it, but... I would, too. I've had this argument so many times with friends, and it always comes back to Lil Wayne. Every single time. He's just that one. He is. So who are some of your favorite mumble rappers? 
Well, my favorite is Future. I started listening to him early high school, freshman year. I like that Atlanta mumble rap. Uh, I like Play now. Playboy is one of my favorite favorite for sure. But I, I went through phases where I really like Lil Uzi. Future will always probably be my favorite just because. I don't know. I feel like a lot of guys stole from Future's flow and just ideas. He just says a lot of funny stuff, too, and his bars are different. Plus, he's got some of the hardest songs I've ever heard in my life, like his Bugatti. Just a lot of those songs were super hard for, like, when I played sports. And I love that stadium music, man. They always play his music at Bears games. That's what got me into it, because just the way he flows with it, on 808s in a stadium sounds enchanting. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Future is one of those guys. He was probably the first one that, like, that's all he did. Where <laughs> Little Wayne, I think, pushed it and, like, started to create it. I think Future was the first one who, hey, I this is all I do. That's exactly what I would argue. <laughs> Future's, like, the guy that took Momo rap to a different genre, basically. But Lil Wayne's the one who created it. That's the way I look at it. Yep. And there was a couple, like, around Future, like Fetty Wap and a couple other ones yeah, that were Young there. Thug. Young Thug. They were there at the onslaught, or the the start of it, but Future is the one that everybody credits for that, and, I mean, should be, because, I mean, he's shown his longevity. He's a guy like Lil Wayne that if you were a fan of, you don't go away. Like, that's your guy. I really yeah. don't like Future. I believe he's a love me or hate me guy, too. I don't like him. And it's not because I don't like his music or think it's awful or anything like that. I just think it all sounds the same. I agree with you. I'm not the biggest Future fan I used to be when I fell in love with him in the beginning because I'm like 2013 Future fan before Evil and just like, you know, the big songs he did with Kendrick. In the beginning, he just, he was really good with it and I don't know, I like I like it what you said when you can see an artist evolve. So he kind of fell off for me, but I'll never stop liking the songs that I liked in the beginning when I'm uh, feeling them. You know, just those classic songs you have in that time and place, like you said earlier. It's like, there's always that one song or that one place that reminds you of that. And there's always some artists, I feel like, for people. I am not a huge fan of this guy, but what you're saying right here is Wiz Khalifa. I went back earlier today, and I turned on some Wiz Khalifa, some old stuff, and then I kind of went through his music catalog and was listening to new stuff, and I'm like, this is trash. Taylor Gang, songs from like 2012, 13, and a little bit before were really, really good, solid. Medication was an awesome song. Then I'm listening to what he's got now, and he's got a couple mainstream songs. The dude's got hits, there's no doubt about it. But if you listen to an album, you're like, Man, I need to turn this off and just turn on his old stuff. Exactly. And it makes me think if they only do that because they're forced to make it. Because they're in labels. They're not independent artists, so they have to put out albums. They have to. Because they're basically just a product of the label. Sometimes they don't care anymore because they're rich. I, I like guys that still go through things like jail. Like maybe jail time is possible. Like just hard times in life as a celebrity can inspire other people because it shows them that, hey, we're, we're human too. We're not just, just this glorified person that everybody worships. Like, 
top five album of mine of all time is Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent. And that was after he had spent jail time. And that album, front to back, yeah. cannot skip a song, is awesome. No, I didn't know that he went to jail like before he dropped that. Oh, yeah. He went to jail, got shot, all kinds of things that happened to him. Shot seven times, I believe. Oh, yeah. It was all over the news and stuff in the early 2000s, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, he comes out with that album. At that moment, had changed music. 50 Cent was the biggest name out when that dropped. Now, if you listen to music, you're like, who is this bum? <laughs> like, he doesn't sound anything like he did then, and the allure of 50 Cent and G-Unit is obviously gone. But for a time, that was hip-hop. Who else was big around 50 Cent? Would you say Usher is that? But Usher's not really, like, hip-hop, but... No, he's an R&B singer, and that dude is still making music. I like to compare R&B and hip-hop, though. It's like, I feel like they're closer than to each other than they are to pop. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I agree. At that time, real popular would have been Fabulous, T.I., Oh, yeah. Wayne, 50 Cent, uh, Cameron and Dipset, Kanye, uh, Eminem still at that point. Those are probably the biggest ones. There might be other ones sneaking out of there, but those were the, the big names at that moment. That made sense, too. Cool to see some of the guys still relevant, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, almost everyone that I've said in that mix is still know their name they're still making something maybe not as good or quality as it was at one point but they're still around yeah fabulous man <laughs> fabulous is my guy some, oh yeah Jada kiss. I always said Jada kiss. it was Jada yeah like that east side is fabulous from New York yep or that east side oh, okay I, I thought so I, I like that east uh, east side rap dudes I like that I like the differences between like the East and the West and the Midwest, and also like Memphis rap and Atlanta. It's just all different. It's so cool. Yeah, no doubt. I was always more of an East Coast guy compared to West Coast, but then it's kind of shifted to the South. Obviously, Little Wayne. Oh, another name I forgot that was crazy popular at this time was Ludacris. Yeah. You have Wayne in New Orleans. You had Ti and Ludacris in Atlanta. Those three were huge all at the same time, so it kind of shifted. Outcast, if you throw them in there, I'm a huge Outcast fan. They're Atlanta. The South owned me for a while and kind of still does. Yeah, that's how I pretty much am. Well, Harry, everybody on Edge of Your Seat Podcast who comes on the show, we have play a game. We have decided to play Hot Potato. I'm going to kick you. Two items, people, places, food items, anything that I think of, you pick which one you like better, and we'll roll with it. Okay. Little Wayne or Future? So do I answer you personally or, like, honestly, who's better or... However you want to answer it, this is your question. So just out of those two, which one you would pick first? It depends. If it comes to I'm about to go to a party or I'm about to go play a football game or just I'm probably going to listen to Future at that point but if I want to listen to more poetic style music just like better hit overall rap Little Wayne but overall I probably still have to say I listen to Future more than Little Wayne my whole life so I don't want to give an answer on who's better because I, I feel like overall Little Wayne's a better rapper but Future for me it just hits different everybody a lot of my friends 
fans know me as like that big future fan in high school so <laughs> gotcha you can answer these however you want to like if you want to look at it who you think's best if you want to look at it who you listen to more however you want to do it okay Pac or Biggie uh Pac definitely Pac I used to like Biggie more but I didn't really realize how swagged out I like the swagger Pac has it's just different a lot of things he said still around. I don't hear too many quotes from Biggie like I do from Tupac. I just out of social groups, you know. I feel like Pac has done more for the whole entire genre. Gotcha. Usher or T Pain? T Pain. I'm not a huge Usher fan. I don't like T Pain that much either, though. It's kind of T Pain by default, uh, just because he's made a few songs and I can say like, "Hey," <laughs> and I'm singing along. But. UFC or boxing? UFC is for sure the more strenuous sport. It probably takes the most endurance of any sport in the world because, I mean, it's, it's literally a full-body experience. Like, it's true fighting at its almost to its freest limit. I'd say UFC is by far harder. Boxing is a league of its own. I don't think boxing is actually terrible UFC because it's... A great boxer couldn't hang in the UFC where some great UFC people couldn't hang in boxing. So I have to say UFC is definitely more challenging. Though. Didn't Mayweather beat McGregor? Yeah, that's what I mean, though. I don't think Mayweather could beat McGregor, though, in a UFC match. But I don't think McGregor could ever beat Mayweather in a boxing match either. McGregor's also known for boxing in UFC, his boxing style. So it's, it's weird. Boxers are really good at their boxing style as in UFC and you kind of have to be good at a little bit of everything like jiu-jitsu groundwork defense counterattacks all that so you like the UFC style better than boxing do I like it better yeah just cause there's more there's more creative ways for people to win Batman or Superman Batman the Dark Knight movies to me they're insane I like the new Man of Steel movie but I, I never really liked the Superman movies. I like the story and the ideas of Superman, but Batman's cool. It's his superpowers, basically, all human science, and it's it's not from, like, outer space. But overall, Superman's a cool idea, too, because he's basically an alien that doesn't want to harm America. Like, you don't hear stories where aliens come to Earth and try to help. It's always them trying to destroy it. For sure. I got to leave you with the one that I always ask, especially people your age. Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Man, overall, I'm going to have to say Jordan. Just because if I think I know this right, he's never lost three games straight ever. But just to win two, three peats is pretty incredible. And I like winners. I like people who win. <laughs> Literally, like you play a sport to win. It's not about you. And I don't see that out of LeBron. I don't see that championship mentality in his mind all I see from LeBron is kind of like almost like a politician like of the sport where Michael Jordan was kind of like a logo on for sure for sure if it wasn't for a guy named Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan should yes. be the logo yes I love Kobe too I like Kobe and LeBron and Steve Nash those are like my favorite players or that's LeBron I like LeBron I do like LeBron though I do like him I just I'm going to say who's better between him and Jordan. I'm going to go by mentality. I like the winning mentality. I like how Jordan was a champion. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the breakdown 
Jordan yeah. was a champion. His mentality was win, win, win. I don't care if you're a cool guy. I don't like you. I'm going to win. LeBron is not that way. He's a fantastic probably superior athlete to michael jordan so you go athlete you got lebron mentality is jordan that's kind of how it broke down that's exactly how i look at it i'll always choose the mentality over the physical talent like i don't care he's a champ for sure and it showed no doubt well harry i appreciate you joining edge of your seat podcast we talked a lot about a little bit of everything we got your music music in general we played some hot potato Thank you very much for spending some time with us at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thank you for having me, Brandon. I hope that the rest of the episodes we keep doing you because they're just unique how you can bring so many different people on and interview them. And it's local. just keeps it interesting. I don't like watching Fox News and all that, so I'd rather watch something like or listen to something like the Edge of Your Seat Podcast than Fox News or CNN. <laughs> I just got a big smile on my face for that. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. It's the truth, man. We just try to from the heart. <laughs> just try to keep you on the edge of your seat, man. That's all we're trying to do. Hey, no fun intended.